Thank you, Anne, and good morning, everybody. Welcome again to St Mark's. My name's Andrew, and I'm the senior minister here, and we're going to be thinking about that passage today. Uh, as Viv mentioned, this term uh, for a preaching, we're going to be having two sermon series kind of alternating with each other. Uh, last week, we started a series on the parables of Jesus in Matthew 13, which is talking about the kingdom of God and what that means. And on alternate weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you by going back to an older series of sermons that I did here, I think about five years ago, uh, looking at this book, The Song of Songs. I'm doing this because I think this is a great book uh, with themes that are really worthy of us looking at at the moment. And hopefully the past few years have given just us a fresh perspective on uh, this book through all the changes we've been through and we can benefit from The Song of Songs again with fresh eyes. I know I'm hoping to. So, look, like many of you, I've spent a lot of time over the years wondering, well, what is my purpose in life? What is it I'm supposed to be doing with my time on earth? A number of years ago, I was thinking about this. I came to the conclusion, looking back, that the big theme of my life so far has been the sort of desire to know God as fully as possible. You know, firstly, understanding God as much as I can, who he is, and then experiencing God and knowing God personally in my own life. If I look back over what I've done in my life, including heading towards becoming a minister in the church, that's what that seems to be about. And for me, that particular journey started in my head or with my understanding of God, you know. So when I was young, I would always read books, 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 always more books, wanting to learn more about God and understand and how to think about him. Now, that's a good thing to do, I think. Over the years, however, I've been drawn more and more out of my head, in a sense, into the realisation that the goal of knowing these things is the experience of the presence of God in your heart, not just to have thoughts about God, but to know God in a personal encounter. That's a challenge for the rest of life. So the series we're starting today on the Song of Songs is about this idea about experiencing God in our hearts and what does that mean. Now, I've always been a fan of the Narnia stories by C.S. Lewis, which I've read many times since I was a boy. And if you've, heard, if you've read them or you've heard about them, you might know that the first story, The Lion, the Witch and the wardrobe. It's about some children who find a pathway into the magical land of Narnia by going through a door in the back of a wardrobe. And inside this doorway of this wardrobe, they find a path into an entirely new world. And this, for me, is a picture, it's a good picture of what the human heart is like as it's been made. It's like a small thing that's inside us, but if we go inside it and look into what is in there, it's actually a whole world inside full of amazing things, full of wonders to experience. It's a world that's worth exploring. And it's worth exploring if we're uh, Christians in a practical sense, because I think this sort of question can answer for us the question of, um, that might arise of, well, why should I bother when it comes to following Jesus Christ persistently across my life or applying myself to the discipline of growing in faith? What is the benefit of making that effort and renewing it across our life? One of the things that drives me to explore that question is that I know for many, many Christians, perhaps some of us here, that question doesn't seem to have a good answer. People may be faithful and committed followers of Jesus, having made a promise years ago, but the life of a Christian might have come over time to seem honestly to be boring or tedious or lacking joy. Perhaps like being in a long-term relationship or a marriage that has become not as joyful or satisfying as it was when it began. 
If that's the case, from my own experience, what I think can be missing is the sense of this potential of personal experience of God in the heart and the sense that Jesus is real and he is alive and that his life and his spirit is actually still giving us life in our hearts day to day and that we can have a direct experience of God's spirit and not just knowing about him or doing things for him. So we talk about the experience in God and this idea of the direct experience of God, it's a topic that has always been, often been called mysticism and I know that's a topic a lot of people have um, trouble or reservations about but Christian mysticism or the experience of God is actually a huge field to explore and there's a lot for us to learn if we study about what we can do if we want to know how do we experience God in a deep way in our hearts. And for Christians, this kind of experience, whether it's mysticism or contemplation or whatever word you give it, it needs to be grounded in the Bible and the teaching and the example that it gives us of what is a true relationship with God through Jesus. So that brings us to the Song of Songs today for this biblical grounding. So today I want to just introduce you to the Song of Songs as a whole before what I think about our reading that we've just had means. So the Song of Songs, if you're not familiar with it or you might have skipped over it, it's a book in the Bible that kind of feels like naughty schoolboys slipped it in in the middle when no one was looking, um, just for a joke. So Song of Songs is surrounded by very serious books indeed, you know. So you have Ecclesiastes on one side, on one side, before it. And now Ecclesiastes, again, if you read it, it's the most depressing book in the Bible. It's all about the meaninglessness of life. We're all going to die and all the rest of that. So that's Ecclesiastes. After the Song of Songs comes the prophet Isaiah, which is a book of prophecy largely about how God is going to judge his people and the world and to show his power in saving us all. So it's a very serious book too. But in between Ecclesiastes and Isaiah is this short book of love poetry, which can raise quite a few eyebrows with its language. I do have to have carefully choose the readings that we're going to have in public here with some of the things that we say this time. Now, when it comes to the Song of Songs, we don't really know who wrote it. It's also sometimes called the Song of Solomon, and it seems to refer to the king, King Solomon, who was a notorious uh, ladies' man in the Old Testament. He had 700 wives, I think. Um, So maybe he wrote it, or it dates from around that time of his rule. But regardless, if you read it, On first go, it actually seems to have very little to do with God or religion or anything spiritual at all, really. It's just the story of a young couple who are in love. And you can read it that way as a book that's a poem that's about a romantic relationship. But this book for a long time has actually been considered one of the precious spiritual gems of the Bible. And many, many biblical interpreters have read it as a book of profound spiritual truth about God's relationship to his people. And that's how I'm going to interpret it for us this term. Because for me, the Song of Songs is a picture of one of the most glorious and enjoyable experiences in human life, which is a true and passionate loving relationship. Anyone who's ever been in love would probably describe it as one of the best things you can ever experience. It transforms the world and it transforms people who have it. And of course, you know, we can't get enough love stories, can we, even today. There is actually, you might notice, a whole genre now on streaming uh, services of romance stories that are specifically set around Christmas time. Uh, you might notice that if you see, there's like so many of them. Everyone likes it's very specific, but you can still find dozens. You know, there's something there that we keep going back for in variations over and over again. And that's what the Song of Songs gives us. It's a love poem that exalts this experience of love and the power 
that it can have. And people who have read it this way have seen this symbol of the great delight of love as something which may be the closest symbol we have to what it truly means to know God. Song of Songs is actually, if you look at it, it's right in the middle of the Bible. In a sense, it's in the heart of the Bible. And so, if we think about it that way, at the heart of the Bible is a joyful, glorious expression of love and enjoyment of the pure pleasure of a loving relationship. This, it says, is what we were made for. Everything else is, is, is around that. So to, we're made to know true love and to know God's love. And all the laws in the Bible, all the prophets, all these other books in the Old Testament, maybe we can say they were written just to hold this experience and surround it and keep it safe. That's what the Bible's all about. As some people have said, the Song of Songs is almost like the holy of holies in the Bible. So like the inner room of the tabernacle or the temple in the Old Testament where people would go to meet with God. It's the symbol of the inner heart of faith. And so it says when you get into the heart of our life with God, where God is, you find this place of joy, of beauty and satisfaction that lasts forever. So if we look at the Song of Songs and we read it together, this, it opens with these words in praise of love as this woman says how wonderful it is to be in love and to receive love. She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. More delightful than wine. So why does she choose wine in this metaphor? What does wine do? Well, it intoxicates us, doesn't it, with its taste and the warmth it brings and the power that it has to change our mood. It makes us feel good. Her love is like this, she says. To kiss her man is like this. It intoxicates her. She can't get enough, get enough of it. It is like a romance novel, isn't it? Now, you might struggle initially to think, how can this be read in a spiritual way, Andrew, or whether it even should be read? Do we have to, as Christians, spiritualise everything? You know, Isn't it enough just to say how good and nice it is to be in love? Well, of course it is. But the witness of God's people and the church throughout the years is that this experience of intoxicating romantic love, the feeling of falling in love and how amazing that is, is one of the best and sometimes the only analogy that we have for what it is like to experience the love of God. People who have a deep encounter with Christ have said, well, it's a lot like this. It's a love that's more delightful than wine. What it's actually like to encounter God directly, it's only spoken of, a few, of in a few places in the Bible. But I believe that the Bible teaches us that the natural human state and the state that God has made us for and will bring us to again when we're saved through Christ is an intense, passionate desire for an experience of what we call union with God. So union with God is the idea of a complete and utter connection to the life and love of God and an intimate relationship with God that lifts a human being above the natural state of our life and above our natural human uh, life into eternity. The Apostle Paul hints about this experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where he talks about the experience, he says, of being caught up into the third heaven or paradise and having a revelation of God that was so strong, he didn't even know whether he was in his own body or not. He was intoxicated with the presence of God and God's love. This union with God, and I think this glory that he gives, is the, actually the goal of the Christian life. It's why we're here. 
And it's not just for Christians, it's not just for specially religious people. It's often been said that the desire for this experience, for union with God, it's at the heart of the human condition. And it explains the sort of tragic nature of human beings. And it explains because why we're never quite satisfied with what we have. We have this thirst for more and more all the time. We want to burst boundaries and limitations that have been put on us by our life and no more. Back in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, God has also set eternity in the human heart. This is what he means. God has put in us a desire for union with him above our natural experience. And the passion then that we invest in love and romantic relationships with other people, it's a sign of the deeper love and desire for God for this ultimate desirable thing which is in our hearts, even if we're not aware that that's what it's a desire for. So in the Song of Songs, the woman desires her man. She desires his love. But of course we hear he also desires her. And we hear more. And he wants to be with her. And if we accept that love of this kind can be a picture of our experience of God, we can say then, well, what it's telling us is that not only do we desire union with God, but God equally or more intensely desires union with us, with his creation. He desires us. I can say this with confidence because at the heart of the Christian faith, as you may know, is what we call the incarnation, which is the fact that God became a human being in Jesus Christ. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. The incarnation tells us that God desires union and with his creation and his people so strongly that he was willing to unite his divine nature with a human nature to take on human life so that we could be united with him. That is profound love and desire beyond anything we could ever comprehend. This is how God desires us. Now, there are creeds and statements of faith that have been come up with over the years to explain how that could happen. How could God be united with humanity? And they use very technical terms like consubstantial. But the Song of Songs says simply, it's love. This is what love is like. This is what love wants. A lover wants to be with the one that he loves or the one that she loves. And this, is, this kind of love that lovers experience is what God has for us. This is what we say in our marriage service in our church, that marriage is a picture of the union between God and people. As the woman says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. This astonishing experience that God loved the world so much that he united himself with us to live with us, it's at the heart of the New Testament and our faith. It's the good news that the apostles of Jesus spread throughout the world. And we can see that clearly, for instance, in the opening lines of the letter of 1 John. So let me read to you from the first verses of that book. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. The disciples of Jesus, including John, saw God and they touched him with their hands. They experienced his personal love. 
that, for lo- that love for John is more delightful than wine. They are intoxicated enough with it that they want to go and spread it to others as well, that they may experience this love too. So we've looked at the first couple of verses of the Song of Songs in our reading, and this is a kind of introduction to the theme of this book. Now, it's only a few verses, you're sort of just getting started, and if you're not sure that's enough to get a picture of what the book is like, you might take comfort from the fact that I'm not trying to get as much out of it as one medieval preacher who famously wrote 86 sermons just on the first two chapters of Song of Songs. So we're going to go through it a little quicker than that. (laughs) But the Song of Songs, if you read it and meditate on it, it's like the wardrobe into Narnia. There's a lot in there. And when you open up and go inside. So we'll only do eight weeks on it. But we're going to cover, as we look at it, some of the ranges of experience that Christian people can have when they enter into their heart with God. But I think, hopefully after this introduction, you can see the point of looking at the Song of Songs. The kind of love that it describes is one of the most delightful human experiences. It's the experience of union with someone that we love and desire. And it's an image of the joy and experience of union with God. It gives us a sense of how God loves us. God loves human beings with a passion that puts Romeo and Juliet to shame. And it's a lot less uh, suicidal as well. Um, And he calls us to the possibility of being intoxicated with his love. That's at the heart of the Bible. That can be hard, though, because, as we know, retaining the passion and fire of love over time is hard. And, of course, we, in our life, as we've been reflecting today, a lot of it in our prayers, we have to contend with a fallen world, with tragedy and with sin and hurt and things that make even human love difficult for us to hold on to. And for many, many people, we know love is not an enjoyable topic at all to think about. It's a topic of pain, a topic of disappointment. And the fact is, though, the Song of Songs speaks about that reality as well, of the tragedy and pain of love on the way. But it reminds us also of what love can be like and when we are failing in love. Because the reality is, I think for many of us, our heart becomes cold to God and closed to him over time. Even Christian people who are committed to following Jesus can have a cold heart towards him. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, Jesus commends the church in Ephesus for their perseverance and their faithfulness. He says to them, though, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Perhaps they had drifted through their sufferings into just gritting their teeth and getting through it. Perhaps resenting Jesus and the commitment that they've made to him, losing the reason that they believed in the first place. Uh, It's easy to do. So I think that the Song of Songs, and I hope our time with this with it this term, it's an invitation to us to renew or to start, if we haven't, a passionate quest for union with God, to know him and to receive the love that he's offering us practically. Now, that journey looks different for different people, and we don't all have the same experiences along the way, and the journey's not always easy, it's not always pleasant. Even the Song of Songs, we see that the road of love is a bit rocky, and we'll think about that in a couple of weeks. But mostly, it is an invitation to a path of joy. And I'm looking forward to this. I love speaking about this. Um, it's a good topic to talk about. I like to, it's good for us to revel for a season in the joys of our faith. And I hope that we can remember or realise that our heart is actually its a very big place inside. There's lots to experience. There's lots to learn. No one here, including myself or any of us here, know even more than a fraction 
of what God has to offer us on this journey. And, and many of us are actually strangers to our own hearts and have never ventured inside. So the title that I've given this series is A Heart Awake, and it comes from chapter 5, verse 2, where the young woman says, I slept, but my heart was awake. So this young woman was even in her sleep. She was always open to love, and her heart was alive, and she was aware of it. I think so can we be in our heart with God. God is calling us to wake up, find our true heart in him, come closer again. So in the last book of the Narnia series, uh, The Last Battle, the characters enter into heaven. And they realise as they arrive there that it actually is not a static place. It involves a constant journey of experiencing more and more of God. And one of the characters says this, and this is what I'm going to finish with. It's a good slogan for our series on the Song of Songs. I want to encourage you. He says, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Come further up. Come further in. Let me pray as we take up that challenge. I pray, Lord, today that as we reflect on our hearts before you, that you would open them up to you, that we would know again what, for what we were made, and the desires that you placed in our hearts would be set aflame again with passion, responding to the love that you have poured out on us so freely. I pray that those of us who have broken hearts or hearts full of pain will find in that your love, your suffering, your tender mercy as well. I pray that we would know fully the joy that you offer to all who come to you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.